Today on episode number 537 of the School of Podcasting, I'm going to do something I've never done before, and we're going to talk a lot about advertising. If you've ever wondered about getting a sponsor for your show, how much should I charge, things like that, we're going to talk with Jessica Kufferman of the JKM Agency. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I am your very own personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, I take my 20 plus years of helping people understand technology. I help you massage your message. I help you tackle the technology. I help you face your fears and flatten that learning curve and get you on the road to having a global podcast that will really just positively impact the world, our website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER when you sign up by going to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. On today's show, we're going to be talking a lot about advertising. So if you've ever thought, do I need a media kit? How many downloads do I need? What should I charge? All those kind of questions will be answered on today's show. Hey, I said at the beginning of the show I was doing something I've never done before on this show, and that is take a sponsor. That's right. We have a sponsor and they are Emerald City Productions. They are a full service recording studio that provides production engineering and editing. That's right. Danny and Aaron Osmond founded this full service recording studio in Tennessee back in 2009 and they've worked with some really impressive people and we are just going to like just just barely graze the the list here. First of all, John Legend all you Star Wars geeks, John Williams, and Yo-Yo Ma. Now, at first, that kind of confused me, and it turns out Yo-Yo Ma is a famous cellist. Here, I thought they were talking about Yo Mama, who is, I believe, a rapper out of Baltimore. But seriously, these guys are legit. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, you would like help making your current show sound better. Maybe you've got an audio book. Maybe you're working on audio for a video. Or maybe you're just interested in voice coaching to improve your videos and webinars. Emerald City Productions will make you sound the best. Now, I wanted somebody to bring some value. Check this out. They have a special offer for episodes at $15 per episode. Then, after those first four episodes, it goes up to $40 per episode, and even that is a steal. But seriously, $15 for the first four, you've got to check this out. So reach out to Emerald City Productions and tell them the School of Podcasting sent you. It's at emeraldcitypro.com. I want to make sure to mention this up front. The last episode of the year, I always do an episode called My Favorite Podcast Is. This is where I'm asking you... What is your favorite podcast? And you can only pick one. Then be sure to tell us a little bit about it, where we can find it, and more importantly, why is it your favorite one? Now also, be sure to tell us a little bit about your show and where we can find your show. So it's it's free promotion for your show, and then later I usually get these transcribed and turn them into a book. Now the deadline is October 31st. That's right around the corner. So get them in, because then in November, I go through the whole thing of editing them down, transcribing them and getting it ready for the end of the year. So if you want free promotion to, I don't know, a couple thousand people, you know, that listen to podcasts, now is the time to act on that. So just go to schoolpodcasting.com slash favorite 16. Now I need to point out if you did this last week, you may have seen it was at a GoDaddy parked domain page. 
There's a whole lot more to that story that I won't bore you with, but I will tell you that now it works. It's actually going to take you over to another website that I'll be using for the book, and I'm actually going to turn these into a podcast later on. Uh, But if you tried this last week and it didn't work, my apologies. Uh, I changed some things behind the scenes, and for a day, things were a little wonky. So again, schoolofpodcasting.com, favorite 1-6, and tell us what is your favorite podcast and why. I really, really look forward to hearing from you. And who knows, there might be a prize involved if you submit something. I'm just saying. Joining me via cast, you know her if you listen to She Podcasts. She's uh, been podcasting since 2013, back in the day with Lady Business Radio. And uh, recently, she launched her own podcast advertising agency, which you can find at jkmagency.com. The one and only Don't Be Fooled by Cheap Imitations, Jessica Kufferman. Thanks for coming on the School of Podcasting. What an intro. Thank you so much for having me. I brought you on because, number one... You've got your agency going now, and my audience will hear now that there is an advertisement in my show. I'm I'm doing this as kind of a test, and it's for fun. And hey, why not get paid yes. while I'm at it? And um, it's I sold all your it's, show. It's all your fault, exactly. <laughs> it's all my fault. I sold. You know, there are a lot of advertisers clamoring for the podcast, talking to podcasters. There's really not as many as you would think. I mean, there are a lot, but not as many as you would think. <laughs> it feels like a lot, but not when you're selling ads. And so you've been helping a lot of people that, you know, they're like, oh, I'm looking for, you know, advertisers and this and that. You're going, okay, hey, I think I might be able to help your show. So rather than you having to say it 4,000 times, why not have you say it here? And then we can all learn together. So if somebody wants to think about getting into advertising, what are some of the things like, like, what's the first thing you ask somebody? How many downloads do you have a month? Because even if you have a huge social media community. You can't sell audio ads when there's no audio, no nobody listening. So um, I always ask the monthly downloads. It's the it's the killer question. It's not the answer that makes or breaks whether or not you can get a sponsor. But I like to know, I mean, that usually will set the price. So for example, let's just say we have two shows and both of them have tw- like 200 downloads a week, let's say. The first show I could probably sell if that's all they have for 150 a month. If that show that's getting 1200, you know, or what did I say? 800 a month. Yeah. Yeah. If they're getting 800 a month, but they have 16,000 people on a Facebook page, I could probably sell them for three or 400 while they grow their audience because that advertiser will be okay with getting the social while the audio is growing. And I mean, you have to realize that's going to grow really fast if they're a smart marketer and they're telling their social community about the show, which not everyone does, by the way. So let's somebody right now just heard that they go, well, I have 200 downloads an episode. What do they need to come and approach you? Like, do they need a media kit? Do they need, you know, are, are, do you only accept certain stats and not other stats, things like that? If you only have 200 downloads a month, but you have an active community elsewhere, I would probably consider it. So like, for example, there are a couple shows that I've signed that have not even launched yet. Like one guy is a columnist for Inc. Oh. So he has a pretty, you know, decent following. I assume that show is going to grow pretty fast. The other one's a bit of a YouTube star. 
So even though she hasn't, I mean, she's got tens of thousands of followers on every social media channel. So I signed them both because I know that their show is going to be big and maybe somebody would want to sponsor them ahead of time. I don't know. I'm, it's all an experiment, right? So I'm going to find out. Other than that, a pretty decently branded show, you know, not a website that you've sort of scrapped together or some organization, a system as far as how you're doing production so that I'm not going to overwhelm what's already a disorganized mess with advertisers. <laughs> That's bad. If you already feel like you are drowning in production work, you cannot take an advertiser. You've got to systemize some of that stuff first, whether that's outsourcing or calendar or, you know, just figuring out what days you're going to do what. Now, if some, why do you say that? So an advertiser requires you to not only do your own promotion, but you have to also schedule theirs in advance. It has to have some monthly tracking. Okay, let's just say the average advertiser is going to do an audio ad, a banner ad, and some Facebook posts and some Twitter posts. You can't do all of that on the fly. You're going to forget inevitably one week's Facebook or one week's Twitter, and then you're going to piss off both me and the advertiser. So it's better to have like a, okay, yes, I'm already doing this per week for my show and this per week for my show. I'll just dip this into meet Edgar or I'll just schedule this when I schedule the rest of my weekly stuff. Like you kind of have to have your stuff together in order to take on an advertiser. And most shows want more than one because the more you take on, the more money you make, you know, to a point. And do they have to have some sort of like media kit to approach you? No, I actually will create a media kit pretty easily if they don't have one. I make like a, I use a resume template in Canva and I'll just fill in like the about the show, about the host, and then some uh, community stats and some reach stats. And then I just send it off. Nice. Yeah. What are, what are some of the mistakes that, I don't know if mistake is the right word, but what are some of the things that when people come to you, you're like going, okay, here's what we need to fix first. This is the other thing I do is I consult people on how to be ready for advertising. And it's a little bit separate. So like a lot of times if a show isn't ready, I'll say, well, here, you know what? I want to represent you, but you really need to get a content strategy down first. You really need to get a scheduling system down first and I'll pay, you know, and they'll pay me. Um, and I'm not trying to dip out of both pockets. It's just that they can't take an advertiser with the, like, for example, I have a um, client right now who has 60,000 downloads, but no social media. What's happening there? So the first mistake is they assume that they can price per episode. And actually, that is a big advertiser mistake as well, because they always want to try one or two. Now, think about that. If you're listening to a podcast, you're riding your bike or you're working out or whatever, and you heard it one time, are you going to write it down right then? No. Are you going to remember it later? Probably not. Charging per episode, everyone may as well just flush their time and money just right down the toilet. It's it's not smart and it wastes everyone's time and it makes advertising look bad on podcasts because then they think, oh, that wasn't worth padoodles. And it is, but it has to be, I mean, I only sell a three month sponsorship. I will do two at the very, very minimum, but they have to beg. Three is, is what I really prefer. And then another mistake is most of the advertisers ask me if they'll allow an interview on the show as well, because they feel like if it's a good advertising match, it would be a good content match as well. And a lot of my podcasters are like, there's no way I'm doing that. But I think they should be open to that because it doesn't really, if it is 
relevant content. You're not a sellout if you can make that a decent show. And most of the time you can if you're already interviewing people. Like in your case, who I sold for you, I don't think that would be appropriate because we don't need to talk to, you know, for you, Dave, like you are already covering all the stuff that like hosting companies and production companies and those types of people will say. So that's just going to sound like an advertorial. But if I got you, if I got you, for example, a transcriptionist, I don't know, something that like you don't necessarily talk about every time, maybe it would be more interesting. I'm also completely ignoring your social media to a point and then wanting advertisers because your show has a huge amount of downloads. You've got to talk to your community too. Like if you are just going for downloads, 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 the advertisers are going to wonder like why you're ignoring why aren't you having a conversation? You know, they've been taught all this time for 10 years that they need to be engaging their fans and having conversation on social media. And so they're going to wonder why you're not doing it. Got it. So right? is there like, is Twitter better than Facebook? Is email list? Is there, it, or does it matter? They just need something. No, actually most of them are on Twitter. Okay. I think so. most of them care about Twitter more and you can actually do more with Twitter because not everyone's on it constantly. So you can rotate stuff. If you do more than one post a week on Facebook, people are going to think you're like a sellout. Got it. So I do sell Facebook. I do encourage people to do Facebook and Instagram. Actually, Instagram's number two. If they if they're not if they if you don't have a good Twitter, Instagram is probably a good place to start growing because a lot of times you can do really interesting sponsored content on Instagram. So for example, I pitched a show about football. It's a women's show about football, and we had this idea of doing like you know, a to like the weekly toast on Instagram because it was for an alcohol company. And so what what are we going to toast with this week, guys? You know, and so um, and it, it would actually work out really well as like fun content that is it that's branded, but not sellout branded, but it's like fun branded. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> no, I know what you mean. There's partnerships and then there's they're just paying me to do this, people. And, and it's better to have a partnership and somebody that you can like, you know, promote and feel like it's fun to work with them. Well, this is my question. Now, now that I have a sponsor, what's the next step? Like, do I, how do I, do I have to do weekly reports and screenshots or what do I have to do to, to communicate this to my sponsor? So if, if you and I had signed a contract of ongoing representation, I would already have access to your Twitter stats, your Facebook page, your Google analytics. And rather than trouble you, I would pull that once a month. Once I know the date that the campaign goes live, I would pull that once a month and just send it to the advertiser. But in this case, we signed a contract for this advertiser only because I just knew this advertiser and then I knew they would like you and we were friendly and I've just never pitched you to do ongoing representation because really I haven't needed to. I, I'm able to sell your show without it, frankly. So, <laughs> so what? I don't need, we don't need that. So actually it's kind of up to you. If you want to give me access to those things, I can pull that stuff, but no, you don't need weekly. It just needs to be monthly. Once a month after four episodes, I'd like to show how many downloads you got for each episode that they were mentioned on. If we were doing social media, I would also want to see engagement on the Facebook posts. And then Twitter has a really nice analytics section now where you can pull retweets, likes and um, comments and stuff too. Very cool. Yeah. I wasn't sure what was involved in screenshots and downloads. It doesn't sound like it's too, uh, too painful. And if people can no. give you that access, that's even better. So 
Exactly. Well, they have to, or I don't represent them because I don't. Because honestly, even the ones that I'm, I'm like, you must give me this information. They don't all, and I'm having to. I'm still having to scramble just to put media kits together. So it's really an inconvenience. It's better if the agent can have access to that stuff. And actually, I allow them to give me access in a way that still doesn't let me know the password. You can use LastPass, which is free. Like you can put Libsyn and then your username and password in there, and then share it with me, which means I can access it from my from google chrome but i'll never know what the password is that's so kind of cool it's kind of interesting yeah but i mean and i have to send them you know instructions on how to do that and stuff like that but it's pretty easy what's your basic pitch when you are you having sponsors come to you or are you going out trying to find sponsors for people or and, and if so how do you how do you sell a podcast it's a combination of both so once in a while i will have an advertiser that comes to me and says, I really want to advertise on this type of podcast. And then I have to sort of do like a broadcast and ask for, it's like a casting call for a specific audience, which is actually tougher than if I have a, so when I sign a show, we have a meeting and talk about who they'd like me to pitch right now. And then like, you know, I'll, I'll let them give me like 50 names and then I go after those contacts like who are who are they? Who's the right person to talk to at that company? And then I set up somewhat of a mail merge where I reach out to them. I say, hi, I tell them what I do in this particular show. And have you ever tried this? Let me know. Hit me back. We'll have a meeting. And most of the emails are opened, but they're not all replied to. Like a lot of them aren't replied to yet. And then I do another mail merge or, or actually it's like a series. I use a system and I have a series. So like series two will be like, Hey, that's cool. You can ignore me. I'm down with that. And then, you know, I tell them something interesting and then hope, you know, usually by email two or three, if they even have an inkling, they'll write me back. Also by this time is when they'll say, I hate you. Never talk to me again. That's only <laughs> happened like two or three times, but I really pissed off Revlon. And so just so you know, we will never be selling Revlon. Also, their lipstick is waxy, so who cares? But <laughs> but yeah, she got angry because I had help getting the contacts that particular time they found her personal Gmail because she's also like a blogger, the person who's in charge at Revlon. So yeah, she's angry. She's pretty angry. See, I would have been impressed that you went the extra mile to get that. But I didn't, but I oh. didn't re- also didn't realize it was a Gmail. You know, I just didn't realize that was the wrong address and I apologized and then it went out again. So after the second time, she was like, you must die. And I was like, "Okay, sorry, I get it. Sorry. So, yeah, just two or three have been have been, you know, and then there's been a a few other that are like really polite. Like we are all set with our marketing. Thank you so much. Which actually doesn't mean like to me, it means I'm going to stop emailing them this time. But if I have another show down the line, I'll probably hit them back and be like, I know you said you're not doing this, but this is like the perfect match. What do I have to do to get you to consider this? Really? You would think it would be easier if I had the advertiser that was ready and willing, but their audiences have been so specific. So, for example, once I needed a podcast that was just talking to accountants and there's probably like 30 out there, but only one of them is updated on a regular basis. The others have pod faded for years. And then you have to pray that one's taking sponsorship. And then who knows what they're going to charge? Like it's it can be a little hairy. So if I'm a podcaster and I'm open to sponsorship, what should I do so that you know that I'm here and I'm I'm willing to take a sponsor? I mean, it doesn't even really matter if you have a specific market. If you're ready and you want to be considered, I have a form. It's jkmagency.com forward slash consider me. And so when I'm trying to fill a docket, I will consider you. And have you had any nightmares yet where something's 
got off the ground and then it just went kaboosh that, that we should know about so we can avoid it ourselves. This goes back to, I guess, mistakes that I see podcasters make that they probably shouldn't make is padding their stats and uh, not really knowing what your stats are. So this particular podcaster had two shows that they were um, and it was one of those situations where the advertiser was my client, not the podcaster. So it would be the equivalent of of me going to you and saying, Dave, someone wants your audience and you telling me that School of Podcasting and Weekly Web Tools were getting a hundred thousand downloads per month and then i say oh wow each that's amazing great and then i do a whole proposal based on that amount and then i find out that not only are they not getting that but that both these shows are on the same feed Ooh, and even together they're not getting that because what you actually said was that that your show's getting an average of two thousand a day and it's not happening because it happened one time. The average is actually like 176. So basically what happened was I pitched my advertiser for 60,000 downloads a month and they were getting six. Nice. <laughs> and it was like thousands of dollars because it was like a, a eight to 12 week contract and it was surrounding an event. So it, the time was ticking on this because the event was getting closer, closer, closer. And so I was kind of like, I felt so sorry. And I was like, I don't know what to say. I, so here's how it happened. Actually, I'll never do this again, but here's how it happened. I was so excited about how I'm like, wow, that many downloads for account accountants. Wow. That's amazing. That many accountants are list 60,000 accountants are listening to this. Well, that's a, And then I was like, wait a minute, 60,000 accountants are listening to a podcast. That's impossible. <laughs> that can't be, you know, it's just like my senses just took over and I was like, who are the accountants? What 60,000 accountants? And I was like, I really need to see these stats. And they sent me an Excel spreadsheet. And I was like, no, 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 no. I want to see the Libsyn account now. Like I was, I was mid type on the contract and I was like, I need to see it now, like right now. And they showed it to me and I like turned pale, passed out, you know, I was like so upset. But um, actually the company ended up paying the original price. Interesting. For one-tenth what it was worth. Now, why do you think that was? I think at that time, getting in front of that audience was more important than squabbling over how big the audience was. Nice. And also, they were trying to sell tickets to the event, and the tickets were, I don't know, let's say three, $400. And so, I mean, they had to sell like 20 tickets to make up for it either way. So probably it was a crapshoot if that was going to happen with 60000 or six. Goes back to the old power of the niche. Yeah. Yep. So I think a niche is worth more. I mean, I wouldn't have priced it at that in the first place, but I wasn't the one that priced it. Actually, the the podcaster gave me the contract knowing what they were doing or maybe not knowing. Maybe they didn't know how to look at their own stats. But this is kind of what also upset me was like I was working with like that company, that podcaster. They had a broker on their own end, like somebody who's selling sponsorship for them on a regular basis. Like, how could she not know how to look at those stats? How could she not know what to price? That upset me a great deal for many different reasons, because I was just like, first of all, how do you not know how to read that? Second of all, you've employed someone that doesn't know how to read this. And like she works for you on a full time basis. It upset it upset me to death. I have a question. This is this is the question I get all the time and it's hard to answer. So this is this is the tough question. Let's say I do a podcast. I talk about science fiction. Is there any hope for me to make any money in podcasting? 
Oh my God, science fiction? Hell yeah. Yeah, because I would just want to talk about Star Trek and, and Star Think of Wars all the and- nerd sites like ThinkGeek and like Loot Crate. There's tons of websites out there selling products to people who love sci-fi. You can make a ton of money. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Cause I was Definitely. Always, that's the one I'm like, Amazon links, maybe? I don't know. No, uh, no, no, yeah. no, no. Do you know ThinkGeek? No, I don't. Okay, go to thinkgeek.com right now. And there, and this is just one that I know, but this Think Geek is just kind of like nerdy toys. So there's a Star Wars section, a Star Trek section, Doctor Who, Minecraft, Zelda, Marvel, Game of... Th- I always say Marvel. My husband hates it. I know it's Marvel. <laughs> Game of Thrones, DC Comics, and Geek Labs, right? And they have like all the things. They have Halloween costumes. They have a Star Wars coffee press. They have like an, a Bluetooth com badge. They have... What are these called? Chewbacca slippers. And nice. I mean, how could they not want to advertise on a podcast like yours, right? Who doesn't want a pair of Chewbacca slippers for Christmas? I mean, come on, Marvel! <laughs> I laughed so hard. I'm glad I laughed quietly at times. Marvel, that was hilarious. He hates. It's kind of like Tarjay and Marvel. Marvel. He hates when I say it. It's really funny. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, any podcast has its share of of possible advertisers any niche has its share of but oh this is another crash and burn do you want to hear another one this one i'm still oh, i'm it. still sad about actually all right i will cue the sad music here okay but all you right. may have to edit it out so just tell me okay um so i have a show that i represent that um is done by a sexologist kind of like dr ruth but she's young she talks about sex etc and she's open to all kinds of you know like she basically encourages couples to be creative and have, you know, an interesting and satisfying intimate life. And so she gave me a list of people that I should pitch for her. And they it, it runs the gamut of different, you know, types of companies. I'm trying to be as G as I can. <laughs> well, there's one particular company that makes entertainment as well as products that you can use for your intimate lifestyle. Okay. And the, and the advertiser really wants to promote the products. However, they're embroiled in some bad press with the entertainment aspect of it. They're not treating their talent properly and there's some lawsuits around it. And so even though I pitched this guy and he said yes and he was very excited, I had went back to my podcaster and I was like, guess what? This guy is in. And they were like, I can't in good conscience advertise with him because I'd been talking to my colleagues and they don't treat their people right. And I was like, what? Yeah. I was so upset because he's willing to pay top price and they were very excited and can't wait to start. And I can't not only that, but now that I've got this fish on the hook, I can't get anyone to advertise with him because of the the situation. Ick. Yeah. I'm kind of sad about it because it's like, why did you send me after that? I mean, probably she didn't know then. Although this lawsuit's been going on since the end of last year, but maybe she just didn't know about it. Could be. Hey, the one thing we didn't talk about, because you you seem like a, a, a pretty smart cookie there, Jessica Kufferman. I've been uh, told that before. Uh, how did you accumulate all this fun-filled uh, marketing and selling advertising kind of knowledge that you have? Oh, I just make it up as I go along. Is that it? That's what no, I figured. I'm joking. No, I, uh, I went my very first real marketing job out of college well picture it sicily 1999 (laughs) (laughs) no um in about 1998 is when i finally finally graduated college and i went to work for the local paper so i lived in wilmington 
Delaware. The paper here is the News Journal. Okay. And at the time, Gannett, who owns USA Today, owned the News Journal. And they had partnerships with, they had two new partnerships, homes.com, apartments.com, cars.com, and one more. So yeah, cars.com has been around a long time. And they hired salespeople to get their print advertisers online using these products that they partnered with. So my job was to go to somebody who was perfectly happy, you know, a home builder, you know, probably Joe Biden's home builder, right? And say, we partnered with this new thing and we really want to get some traffic to your website. And they were like, what website? What are you nuts? We don't have a website because nobody had a website really then and nor did they care about it. And so I would have to convince them first to have a website and how it worked and then tell them about banner advertising and how it worked and why it was good and how everyone's moving to it and you better get on and you know get on the bus you're gonna be left at the bus stop in the cold uh it was a very hard job but basically what we had to do is bundle the new thing with the old stuff so i would have to work with the reps they were already working with and say okay they spend this much in print can we get them to spend 20 percent more give them a banner can we throw it in for free can we take this away do they really need that ad so the print reps hated us the clients hated us everyone hated us but it really helped me learn how to sort of ease people into a new kind of advertising, especially the advertisers. And so years later, when I had my own podcast, I didn't know there was, I mean, at the time, 2013, there was no industry standard. There was no cereal. There was no Gimlet. There was no, was there a Gimlet then? I don't think there was. No Gimlet, no Panoply. There was Slate, I believe, and there was Nerdist. But there weren't all these different networks. And so... When someone asked me if they could advertise on my show, I was like, sure, 200 bucks. I didn't look at my downloads. I had no idea. And I was, and they were like, what do I get for 200 bucks? I'll say the name of your thing and I'll post about it on Facebook and Twitter. And they were like, great, sold. And I had like four or five different ads that it, I mean, at one point I was making $2,000 a month just on either ads or trade for ads. Like I had a whole VA system going just by trade of advertising. And so um, people started asking me how I did it. And I started showing them. I mean, I already knew how to make a media kit because I had been doing that in the past. Oh, and I stopped working for the news journal, went to Philly.com and did it for an even bigger newspaper for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And I was driving all over Philadelphia doing this. So, yeah. So years later, I knew how to do the media kit. I knew how to do the sales pitch. I knew how to convince people. So I was just like, look, if you want your podcast, you have to have you got to have some social media and then you're going to have to bundle it. And this is about what it's worth. Well, how do you know what it's worth? Well, I don't. But here, let me just let's just put it this way. Do you feel like charging $1,000? You're ripping them off? Yes. What about $500? Yes. What about $250? That feels better. What about $150? Okay, now I'm getting ripped off. Okay, $250 is your number. Charge that. <laughs> because it's, really, I mean, they know what they know the work that it takes to, to put into having an ad. So, it's, I mean, it, it, you have to kind of go by gut. Yeah. Now, so then when I found out there was a podcast industry standard, I was kind of sad. Because now, and I mean, this is why all the rest of the podcasters are sad, too, is because that gut number, it doesn't match what we're able to charge. We know how much work it takes to do our show, and we know how much work it it takes to do to have an advertiser. And so when you see you can only get $30, oh, it just makes you want to spit in someone's food. Makes you so angry. And so I try to go with those numbers, the the ones that feel right. Right. You know, and so I've been trying to sell them and sometimes they sell and sometimes they don't. And a lot of times I have to tell a podcaster, 
Look, I mean, when they see how well it does, you can charge the one that feels right. But first, let them do a test because it is really new. That's the thing. Yeah. What is the podcast industry standard these days? I think it's anywhere from 15 to $50 per thousand downloads per episode. Yeah. And that just doesn't fit for most podcasts. Well, that's just a big range, too. Yeah. So like Elsie and I, I mean like, yeah, how, how could that possibly fit when like, okay, I know how much like Elsie and I for she podcast, let's say we get 10,000 a month, but we have this active group of 4,000 women. And so it's definitely worth more than 2,500 an episode to get in front of that group. Yeah. You know, and especially, and it also, you know, it, it, I don't want to say it risks our reputation, but we have to stake some, uh, you know, authentic enthusiasm on the fact that we're advertising for someone in there. And so it's worth more. And so Elsie and I usually go by what feels right. I mean, also the podcaster can always say no. And so there's been a couple of times where I've been like, they want to only try, they want to do your show, but they only want to pay this right now. And there's been people that have said, no, I know how long it takes me to do a show and I know how much work it is and they are not going to get that kind of reach anywhere else. So no, and that's fine too. And no one will punch them in the face. No, not today. Not today. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, Miss Jessica, thank you so much for coming on. Again, if you want to check out Jessica, go over to jkmagency.com. Any parting words as we get ready to uh, wrap things up? Okay. So my parting words of wisdom are going to be, make sure that you get your podcast down to a system that you're organized and that you're really paying attention on growing your entire community. Talk about your podcast on your social media channels. Talk about your social media channels on your podcast. Make sure that everybody knows about everything so everybody can join you everywhere. And then um, when you really have a good feeling of like, yeah, they're excited. They love the show. Everyone loves this show. You'll know that's when you know you're ready. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really fun. And there she is, the one and only Jessica Kufferman. Now, if you've never listened to She Podcasts, it's a really phenomenal show. I like it. They don't really talk as much about like strictly podcasting stuff, but the stuff they talk about is always entertaining. And it's a great example of having two people that don't agree on everything, but yet love each other. That makes for fantastic audio. Half of their episodes, well, I shouldn't say half. Some of my favorite episodes are ones where they don't agree with each other. And you sit there and go, oh, I, I agree with Elsie. Now I agree with Jess. No, wait, no, Elsie's got a good point. No, Jess has a good point. So check it out, ShePodcast.com. And Jess, thanks for coming on the show. So since we're talking about sponsorship today, I wanted to kind of give you a little peek behind the scenes, the mental side of, of podcast advertising. Half the reason I'm, I took on a sponsor is because, well, I haven't had one in a long, long time. And I've never really had one on this show. And when you take on an advertiser, you have to consider a couple things. You need to make sure your sponsor fits your audience and is something you can talk about honestly, which in this case is the case. I went over to their website, listened to their samples, and was like, yeah, these guys know what they're doing. Now, when you promote something that you don't believe in, and this is just my opinion, that is the definition of a sellout. You are saying something strictly for the money. So make sure you are aware what you're delivering and then deliver it. And that goes with all the reporting and make sure if you're doing any kind of logos, social media, things like that, 
you want to be responsible because this is a contract. This is a, a business transaction. But remember who your true audience is. Because when you bring on a sponsor, you have two people listening. Your audience and your sponsor. And having multiple audiences can be a struggle. I mean, my audience is you. You've been with me for almost 12 years. And if I pay too much attention to promoting the sponsor, I lose you. And if I don't pay enough attention to the sponsor, I lose the sponsor. So the problem is I'm being paid for this episode for a 15-second spot. Now, I was kind of nervous about this last night. I recorded the spot that you heard earlier uh, four times it took me to get that right. And the first one was over two minutes long. And I was like, well, hold on a second. And I figured out what I needed to say. And I figured out how to say it as quickly as possible. And so this first ad that you heard today was a little longer, obviously, than 15 seconds, is I needed to kind of introduce you to the sponsor. And I've always liked the way Gimlet Media does their advertisements, and I plan on, if we can do air quotes here, borrowing as much as I can from the way they do advertising. Um, If you're a regular listener to the show, you know I kind of like to think outside the box, and I'll probably be doing that with my advertising. Uh, Just know that having a sponsor can kind of mess with your brain a little bit. Remember, you worked hard to get an audience, and advertisers will come and go, but you want your audience to stay. And I've never heard one myself, but I've heard stories about how Leo Laporte on This Week in Tech can go on for days when he does a spot for Audible. And if you don't pay attention to your listeners, then there will be nobody to hear your advertisements. So keep that in mind. And the other thing is, I have another show that Jessica has pretty much got a sponsor for, and uh, it already has a Patreon account. And what if you have a Patreon account? Now, if you're not familiar with with Patreon, it's a place where people can kind of it's 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 like an online crowdfunding thing where people basically donate on a monthly or based on a uh, uh, when you put out an episode, you get paid kind of thing. And if you go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash five, three, seven, I have links to that. But what if you have a Patreon account already? Well, if you're delivering extra value to your patrons well, then this really shouldn't be a problem because they're getting what they pay for. Uh, also, though, patrons are are people who want to, in the end, support you, hence the name patron. And when they hear that you're benefiting from an advertiser, they may be all for it. But don't be surprised if someone stops being a patron because, well, you don't need us anymore. So just keep that in mind. I'll let you know how that goes. Uh, and speaking of that, realize that someone will not like the fact that you have an advertisement. That's just, that's no way around it. There's nothing you can do about that. Just focus on the listener who stays. In case you missed it, it's time for a podcast rewind. I appeared on the Rock Your Retirement show, which you can find at rockyourretirement.com. This is uh, with Kathy, and normally her show is not so much about the financial part of retirement, but like now that you're retired, what are you doing for fun? But uh, she had heard me talk about uh, my father in the past and how I dealt with his Alzheimer's disease. And so I appeared on her show, and here's a little clip of that. It was kind of interesting because uh, he was 82, I think, something like that. He was in his, his 80s. 
And he got kind of frisky. Because of the nursing, because yeah, of the home. Yeah, with the nurses. And, and he was in there the one day and a nurse walked in and this younger woman. And he said, wow, you make me wish I was 40 years younger. Oh, my gosh. And I went, oh. <laughs> and I just kind of like looked at her and she looked at me and just smiled and said, well, thank you. And then I forget what it, he said, something that was completely over the top inappropriate. And, and yeah, I just went, dad. And he's like, what? She's <laughs> like, oh, geez. And so he got a little grabby at times and things like that. So that was a, a whole other experience that you weren't used to. Yeah. As time went on, I would go and show up and he would give me a tour every single time. Well, let's go back to the nurses first. Let, let's go back. So did your dad wind up having a girlfriend? He did. I also appeared on a new show called Cut to the Chase. This is from my buddy Ravi, who you might know from Digital Access Pass. He's also been on this show talking about membership sites. Uh, this is basically kind of business advice with no fluff, hence Cut to the Chase. So this is really some of my best podcast advice, kind of all rolled into one big giant blast. And the other thing that people really get obsessed over, besides new and noteworthy, is their podcast launch. Oh, I can't launch yet because I don't have my 3, 8, 10, 12, 47, 560, however many episodes you need in the can. In fact, there are people that won't launch their podcast because they've only got seven ready to go. I'm like, ready to go for what? You didn't make those to just sit there on your computer. Put them out in the world. How are you going to touch the world if nobody hears your stuff? Well, I need to have at least, insert insane number here, of episodes in the can before I put them out. It's nonsense. It's just absolutely nonsense. And when people get obsessed over their podcast launch, that's like saying, well, I, I'm not going to have a successful podcast if I don't have a successful launch. And I get the idea. You want to tell people when you first get your podcast out. You want a lot of people to listen. Look, I'm not poo-pooing launching. And you want to launch with a little bit of sizzle and, and tell your newsletter and tell all your friends and things like that. I get that. But when you completely base your success on the launch of your podcast, that's like saying, I if I really, really focus on having this huge wedding, then the rest of my marriage is just going to be a piece of cake. And if you're married, you know that is an absolute lie. It's after the wedding when the real work comes into play. And it's the same thing with your podcast. Let's say you were in the magical world of new and noteworthy for your magical eight weeks. What are you going to do on week nine? That's where the real work comes into play. Podcasting is not a sprint. It is a marathon. And the more you run, the bigger it gets. And while I have appeared on Podcast Junkies at podcastjunkies.com, I want to point you at an episode with Jonathan Oaks of Trivia Warfare, who I have also been on that show. And I'm pointing this out because every now and then I'll have a show come by and I'm like, mm, man, I wish I had done that show. This was just a great show where you hear Jonathan talk about how he shaped his show over time. It wasn't exactly perfect when he launched it. He had an idea and he shaped it over time. And then even as a cool because of my podcast story. And of course, you got uh, the sexy uh, Harry Duran, of course, who uh, always makes things fun. And I'll have a links to that out at uh, the show notes again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash 537, or just go out to Podcast Junkies to uh, hear this clip. When you mention your audience's name in your show, it makes them giddy. Well, it also makes me giddy when I hear my name in your show. So, hence this clip. I still get excited. I mean, if Dave Jackson mentions something about an episode, I'm like, I'm tweeting about it. I'm like, I heard you. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I heard that, that my name was mentioned. And uh, I think it's just cool, this interactivity that you're continuing to build in, into the show, which is so amazing. And if you would like to interview me, 
to be on your show, just go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. I would love to talk podcasting or whatever topic you think I would be good on with you anytime. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. In an effort to get rid of jargon, I've been putting together a podcast glossary. And the last time we did this, we talked about the bees. And hey, guess what? I forgot a very important bee. I believe that's because I was going to talk about it when we talked about power press, but that is Blueberry. And that is B-L-U-B-R-R-Y.com. Blueberry is a media hosting company, a, uh, a media hosting company that I actually use for some of my podcasts. And uh, this is uh, Todd Cochran and Mike Dell and all the lovely people over there. And um, and you're like, but Dave, don't you work for Lipson? Yes, I work for Lipson. And if you are a regular listener of the show, you know, before I even started working at Lipson, I recommended Lipson and Blueberry. And so what gets sometimes just a little confusing is Blueberry is a media host who also creates the PowerPress plugin that is free. You can use PowerPress if you're using Blueberry, if you're using Lipson, if you're using SoundCloud, which would be a bad idea, or Podbean. You can still use the PowerPress plugin. So Blueberry is a media hosting company, and I forgot to mention those when we did the Bs, but let's get to the Cs. The first one is a compressor. It's an effect that you can add to your audio. Now, for the record, you don't need a compressor. It's kind of like icing on the cake, and I'm going to go super simple here. In its simplest form, it makes the louder things softer and the softer things a little louder to ensure a more level audio output. Notice I said more level, not completely level. And these can be applied in software. There's probably a compressor in Audacity. I know there's one in Audition. I know there's one in Hindenburg. Or you can actually do these with a physical piece of hardware. Like the do, there's a uh, one by the company DBX, and it's called the 286. And I believe it's 286S. And I'll have links to that out in the show notes. The other CPM we want to talk about, and this ties in so nicely with this week's episode, is CPM. And this is a pricing model used by the radio industry. Now, what this is with CPM, you get paid a certain amount of money for 1,000 listeners. So let's say you have a CPM rate of $6 and you have 20,000 listeners because you're a radio station. Well, then the advertiser would pay $6 times 20,000 listeners or 6 times 20 or $120 for that advertising spot. Now, CPM rates in podcasting typically start anywhere from $15 to as much as you can get. I've heard $60. I've heard $100. I've heard it's $15 to, and usually it's around 20 to whatever you can get. And for most podcasters who don't have thousands of downloads, CPM is not a viable model to making money with your podcast. If you're only doing 250 downloads a week, and you're getting a $20 CPM, that means, you know, 250, 250, 250, 250. If you're doing a weekly show, that means you're going to get $20 for the whole month to put in an ad in your podcast. Now, some of you might say, I'll take that, and that's fine, but just realize you're not going to be quitting your day job on that. So for the record, CPM doesn't really work. It only works for about 8% of podcasters who are making gazillions of downloads a uh, episode. So that is uh, that's it for the C's, and uh, and next week we'll get into 
the D, so we'll get into DAWs and double enders and dynamic microphones and dynamic ad insertions. So that'll be in next week's episode as we start to eliminate some of the podcast jargon. And I'm going to call it there. It's like, uh, you know, all right, I'm, I'm calling it. We've got so much more we could talk about. I started playing with fireside.fm. It's a media hosting company, and I will reserve my comments for future. It's kind of not fair because they almost, they're almost in like pre-beta beta. So it's kind of like commenting on a pie that hasn't been baked yet. So I'll be talking about that. I'll be talking about PodFunnel in the future. That's a new tool that I just now have access to, but haven't played with yet in the future. Got some great feedback on podcasting as a, uh, the fact that it is a global audience. So I got some great feedback that I'll be playing and we'll be discussing that. And a couple weeks ago, I talked about it's time to zag. And I got some great feedback on that that we'll be playing as well. And it's one of those things where it's it's kind of fun that you can just do whatever you want with a podcast. You don't have to worry about a program director. You don't have to worry about really anything. It's your show. You own it. How cool is that? And if you're ready to start a podcast, I would love to help you. I got to tell you. I've been so happy this past month. We reopened the School of Podcasting. We have a lot of really cool people that are joining, and they're motivated, and they're starting shows. And we just, uh, this Monday, as you listen to this, we just launched a new thing where it's a basically a focus group where you can put in your podcast, and then we will all basically try to give you constructive feedback on that. That is coming down. I'm getting ready to work on a uh, kind of a toolkit for members that have a lot of cool little tools and things like that. I'm also working on a catalog for members of the School of Podcasting so they can actually have a physical PDF to show you here's all the things that are available in the School of Podcasting so you can kind of map out your path of the way you want to go because there are over 16 different courses now at the School of Podcasting and you don't need them all like you don't need to take a blueberry course and a Lipson course because well you can take you're probably going to be using one or the other so and in the future I'll also be adding a Hindenburg journalist course to that class it's a cool piece of software and if you're looking to learn how to do that uh, I'll be having that as well so and the cool thing is as we add more and more to this your price doesn't go up it's just it just becomes more valuable to be a member of the school of podcasting and i would like to give you a little gift right now and that is coupon code and that is listener l i s t e n e r and that will save when you go over to schoolpodcasting.com/start and sign up i really 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 look forward to working with you in the future and until next week class is dismissed take care and god bless Don't forget to submit your favorite podcast by going to schoolofpodcasting.com slash favorite 16. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world one download at a time.